Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by TJ Matthewson, BeaversEdge.com writer and fellow podcast host. Well, we're here, folks. 3-0 and after the non-conference. Oregon State wraps up non-conference play with a blowout win over Montana State. And now the moment is here. Pac-12 play, USC, Research Stadium, under the lights, Saturday night. DJ, welcome back to the big pod, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, Brendan. It is, uh, it's going to be an exciting week, an exciting weekend. School's back on campus. Trying wow. to find a parking spot today for uh, for interviews was <laughs> was troubling. I, I was I was worried for a second, but that you know shows you that uh, that school's back in session. But it, it should be an exciting week. It's going to be a really good atmosphere on Saturday. Again, a lot of students, a lot of people back here in Corvallis. You can kind of feel fall in the air too. Uh, and every, the guys are excited. You know, got to talk to defense today. You can see those videos there at BeaversEdge.com on the Beavers Edge YouTube. Um, it. It, 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 it will be a fascinating matchup. I'm very, very excited to watch yeah. how Trent Bray is going to attack this USC offense. We'll get into sort of the, the details of it, but it really, it's going to be fascinating. We're watching them last week against Montana State. And, you know, I don't think you could go any big, bigger step up in just talent across the board <laughs> than going from no offense to Montana State, Montana State to USC. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. There's a bit of a step up there, and uh, TJ alluded to it. He had today's uh, defensive interviews as we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the interviews uh, a little bit later in the podcast when we're previewing USC to get TJ's thoughts on how the team is uh, coming together in anticipation of the Trojans. Uh, from what I've heard, it sounds like there was a lot of USC fight song this week, so we'll be, uh, we'll be getting it, into it. It was, an, it was an interesting uh, – it's not really something I was expecting to hear when I was walking past the practice fields yesterday on Tuesday. I guess it kind of makes sense since USC will bring their band. And I don't think is that their fight song or the 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 something of Troy. I, I yeah, can't remember. But I, I've Troy. heard it. Yeah, I would say I've heard it a million times too, because especially yeah. ASU plays USC every year in the South. I of yeah. course went to ASU. So yeah, I'd hear it quite a lot. Um and I have a friend who I went to school with was an avid USC fan. So <laughs> it just it's kind of get kind of gets uh kind of gets stuck in your head sometimes. You just uh, you hear it enough, you just start honestly whistling along without even realizing it. But <laughs> sometimes it's yeah, uh, no, yeah. yeah it's no interesting doubt. though. But they, the sorry, didn't mean to interrupt again. But no, like, you're good. but the guy said like, I don't know, you could go from Anthony Gold saying, you know, I I, I just block it out. I don't even pay attention to like, you know, right. we're just kind of getting getting used to it because they're going to be playing it a whole lot on on. Uh, on Saturday, they'll bring the band. The band will be playing literally yeah. almost every single down. So you gotta, you gotta get that, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of locked in. And it's interesting, though. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the the setup this week. And and TJ, I'm sure you saw that they announced basically a new even better temporary sound system uh, for the rest of the season. So we'll talk about that again as well. But just to kind of put a nice bow tie on non-conference, TJ, obviously uh, 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 Beavers traveled to Portland this last weekend, uh, get the win over Montana State 68 to 28, almost hang a 70 burger on the, uh, on the scoreboard. Uh, Awesome atmosphere at Providence Park. Uh, I caught uh, your good buddy, John Warren up there. Uh, TJ was just a few seats down from him. We chatted a little bit about the experience and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a, a very cool thing. Uh, Providence Park's a very unique venue for a football stadium. I loved it from what we have uh, seen on the Beaver's Edge uh, board. There were, those who went seemed to have a really good experience. And, uh, yeah, I think it was an awesome way to, like, wrap up non-conference. And, you know, when you when you do it in that fashion, TJ, it's definitely a little easier. Yeah, I'm, 
I, I wasn't expecting a 40 point win. That's for sure. Um, Vegas wasn't either, even though, no. you know, we, we mentioned the line shifted. I don't know if we, sh- we mentioned it on this podcast, but I know here on, on Joe radio on Friday, we made like you, you could see the, the line opened at 13 and a half for, for the Beavers and it moved all the way to 17, which doesn't really happen. That's right. a, that's a pretty extreme shift and sort of the, the public sort of maybe seeing how this game was going to go. And it played out right. exactly how they thought. I mean, the Beavs had a little bit of trouble tacking, uh, tackling Tommy Mallott early, but yeah. that was that was really it. I mean, Chance Nolan could have dropped back and thrown for like 500 yards if he oh wanted to. He had all the time in the world. He was just relaxed, sitting, sitting, scanning, scanning, boom, throw on target. And there's a couple – Gould dropped a couple passes in the first half. But otherwise, I mean, guys are running open, crisp routes, well-organized offensive yeah. game plan – Ran for over five yards of carry, even though, you know, the the number, the the sort of gaudy numbers weren't really there. But still, like, you were pretty efficient on the ground um, right. and offensively just controlled the game. Even if your defense had a couple of slip-ups, they mentioned today that, you know, they Montana State came out in some formations that they hadn't seen before yet this year. And right. they had to totally adjust on the fly and probably led to some guys being, you know, out of place there on that first drive that, really sort of probably pissed Beaver fans off a little bit when Montana State <laughs> kind of just run quarterback run, quarterback run, quarterback run, quarterback runs all the way down into the end zone. Um, right. But I guess it was very good to see the offense just like, from a Beaver fan's perspective, just to like control the game from front to front to start. I mean, every time the Beavers had the ball, they scored on every single possession. Um, and you never really – after about that third touchdown, you probably had no no real worry in your mind that right. they, they were going to score all game. Right. And and I I completely agree. I mean, the offense pretty much was able to get whatever it wanted in this game. I know there's a couple issues. You know, you you look at the uh, the bounced fumble when Oregon State was only up, I think, 10, maybe 14 at the time. I can't exactly remember uh, uh, of that sequence, but that play stands out. Uh, Obviously, the first drive, as you mentioned, for the defense when uh, Malo was just able to just get whatever he wanted on the ground. And, you know, the Beavers even said afterwards, you know, they they were expecting a lot of gadgety, gimmicky runs. They even talked about the press conference, you know, right then and there at Providence Park. Um, and then the other thing that I didn't particularly, you know, uh, that stood out as kind of a, a correctable thing is allowing the kick return for touchdown. The Beavers yeah. are, you know, a lot more stout on special teams than they showed uh, in that particular moment uh, just because, you know, they, they've got a veteran group back there and, you know, it's all about staying in your run angles and, and whatnot. So I guarantee that was something uh jake cookus and his crew looked at and something that i mentioned uh, uh in my recap piece over the weekend but overall this is exactly what you needed to have happen dj you know you had a different you know class of opponents each game was different you know first was a a moderately good mountain west team at home then i think was a better mountain west team on the road then you get your cupcake to kind of fine-tune everything and treat montana state like you know the team that they you know, the difference in ability was a 40 point victory showcases how far apart those teams are. And that's exactly what you want to see uh, as a Beaver fan. And then additionally, knowing what we know for this game now, TJ, how big was it to get Jake Overman a start at the tight end position, get him a catch, get him a little bit more experience, knowing that Luke Musgrave will not be available against the Trojans. Yeah, and they're going to have to lean on him more, right? You mentioned, like, just sort of getting him in that groove. And it, it, yeah. it's not even sort of a baptism by fire. It's just, you know, kind of kind of work him in. And, you know, he 
he takes reps in practice every day. He knows what he's a lot doing. Of he's, a divi- he's a division. Yeah, he's a division one athlete. He, you know, he knows how to play tight end, but sort of, you know, work working into the flow of a, of a live game and a role that isn't necessarily his, right? Maybe he blocks a little bit more when Luke Musgrave in because Luke's the one who's going and running the routes. Right. But now that Luke will be unavailable for the foreseeable future, it sounds like right. no specific dates obviously given by Jonathan Smith on Monday. But you right. know, it's not you know you get him a catch and. Yeah, and you know it's just a little bit more helpful, and they they are probably going to need him against um, against USC against Montana State. The all, most of the passing was to wide receivers, which again was good to see because and that had that part had been a little bit inconsistent because the first two games it was mostly Chance Nolan and Luke Musgrave connecting for passes, right. but this game you know Trayshawn Harrison and Anthony Gould both had really good games, um, and you know pretty much everyone was open, so. It was um, it, it was a good opportunity, but you know, with the the better athletes on the field with USC, a, a really good athletic tight end can be all that difference. And if you don't have Luke Musgrave again, you know, Jake Overman's going to have to have to be that guy. And he's he's a competent guy. When we were talking to him last week, he said he's you know ready for this role. And this week will be, I would say, a true test for him. Yeah, certainly. I, I think that was very important to kind of get him into the game flow uh, against the Bobcats up in Portland. And, you know, it's going to be key because I think it's going to be all hands on deck. And, you know, uh, despite not having Luke Musgrave, you know, Oregon State's still going to need to get production out of the position, even if it's, you know, not quite obviously what it was. And, you know, make note of that. No one else in the roster is Luke Musgrave, you know, can't do what Luke Musgrave does have to, you know, say that first and foremost. But, you know, as cliche as it is in football, it his, you know, next guy up, the game still has to be played. And, you know, they're, you know, one guy doesn't determine whether you win or lose a game. So I, I definitely think uh, it's going to be interesting. And, and on that note, as we'll uh, mention as well, Jonathan Smith also said Trey Lowe will not play against uh, USC uh, as well as the uh, backfield will still most likely be headed by Deshaun Fenwick, uh, Damian Martinez, and Jam Griffin. Uh, TJ, what are kind of just some final thoughts uh, from you on uh, the non-conference and obviously uh, starting off a 3-0 and uh, before we uh, dive into uh, USC and the uh, the men of Troy this weekend? So we keep, again, I, I'll probably say this every week, but like hitting the ceiling, right? To, to hit the ceiling, I would say you probably had to go 3-0 on this non-conference yeah. schedule, and that's pretty much what the Beavers did. I would say if we looked at this schedule after the LA bowl last year and looked at the non-conference schedule, said, okay, right. what are they going to do in the non-conference schedule? Mm, probably two and one, right? Yeah. I think so. You'd think maybe in a worst case scenario, one and two, you don't know. Again, right. it was, you know, the top two favorites in the mountain West and the runner up right. in the FCS level next year. And right. two of those three games, you dominated, just totally yeah. dominated. And then go on the road in a place you've never won and, and beat, you know, a top <laughs> yeah. 15, top 10 quarterback in the country. So I would say, you know, that resume, if we're talking, you know, college basketball resumes, I mean, resume looks pretty good uh, right. in the non-conference schedule. You've, You've sort of gotten to see it all, right? We haven't really seen those big running rushing games we saw last year with 300 yard, 300 plus yards like they ran it at against USC last year. I'm not totally sure we'll see that this week. I mean, BJ Baylor's a pretty big piece of that last year. Right. They don't quite have BJ Baylor in that backfield this year. Um, but I, I've sort of we've sort of seen you know everything we've needed to, right? We've seen good tight end play. We've seen good wide receiver play. We've seen good Chance Nolan, really good Chance Nolan, right? You know. Chance still had, you know, some poor choices here and there. I mean, in the Boise State game, the, the, the you know, the kind of bad interception where he's trying to throwing it away. But otherwise, I mean, you've seen everything you've wanted to see out of Chance Nolan. You've seen the defense dominate. You've seen right. the defense get turnovers, which is really big. And two key things the guys today mentioned, like, hey, 
I, I think it was Jaden Granite's like, all right, what's the biggest key to to um, to stopping USC's offense? And he said, plain simple, special teams turnovers. Yeah. Boom. And what did they do last week? Scored a touchdown on a punt and forced uh, how many turnovers? Two. Yeah, uh, the box got a, score up. Got, yeah, got a pair, a pair of the, uh, a pair uh, of interceptions. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I will say though, I'm not sure why Montana State tried passing it. It was not very effective. It was a futile effort, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, well, you could just tell when they're, you know they're dropping back to pass. I mean, it was like that just looks clunky. But yeah. the Beavers, Beavers made him pay. Ryan Cooper got his uh, first interception of the season on a really nice play, yeah. and they're going to need that this week. The opportunities might be few and far between, but. I would say a key against USC, they got to get two turnovers at least. I mean, if they go if they go the whole game without getting a turnover, I don't think the Beavs are winning. On and Saturday. you know, you just you just reminded me. I think it was actually three turnovers because Rajon had a pick, Ryan Cooper had a pick, and then didn't Jaden Grant have a pick? Yeah, I think so. Let's, yeah, so I think we're three. I I think we're I'll box three. score surf while while you but, talk. But yeah, so I mean, back you know. Um, just kind of continuing on that point, I agree. I mean, there haven't been, you know, it's it's hard to nitpick with a 3-0 and start, right? Obviously, you want to be playing great football by the time the season comes to an end. And I think Oregon State hasn't started this well, um, you know, to start a season in some time. And, you know, we, we've been saying kind of colloquially that, you know, Oregon State hasn't started 3-0 since 2014. That 2014 season didn't end up being very great after the three and O start. You know, I was talking to a couple other media members at Providence park this weekend. And, you know, that team, I believe went on to lose seven of their final nine after going three and O. So I think, you know, uh, Oregon state, as far as like, you know, still wanting to play your best football this season, that's something Jonathan Smith has talked about a couple of times in the last few weeks. And that's definitely something good to see because I think Oregon state is still a consistent work in progress and they are going to get better uh, on a weekly basis. But going back to a few points you hit on, uh, I, I completely agree with the run game. It's maybe a little deeper than it was, um, you know, in years past where it was like Jermar BJ, and then a bit of a drop off. And then last year, BJ, Deshaun, or BJ, and then kind of Trey, kind of Deshaun, a little bit of both those guys, but mostly BJ. This year, it really seems like there's just a lot more top-end depth. But because maybe they've, you know, shared the sugar, so to speak, there hasn't been the ability for that guy to, like, break that big 70-yard yeah. touchdown run. And, and there's no real consistent rhythm. No real home run hitters either. By the way, you are correct. Three interceptions. Yep. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's always good to remember how to but, head um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's just real no – like, at least that we've seen yet. Maybe, you know, Jam or, or Damian or, or Fenwick will, will break off right. a, a massive touchdown run. We haven't, But we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. And just a point on that, you know, it's interesting. I would agree – like, of the three guys, like, watching them at Providence Park this last weekend – Jam's the guy who who I could see maybe breaking a big time run, you know, just between Deshaun and, and and Damian. It looked to me like he's maybe the maybe the quickest of the three. As yeah, far he as might like be a straight straight line speed kind of a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think when the two fast guys in camp, I would say when I noticed was Damian and Jam. I think those are the two yeah. faster guys, and we know Fenwick is a little bit more of a powerful runner. He's yeah, not a really the power back. He's not the uh, he's not going to sort of just outrun you eighty yards right. to the end zone. But you know those two guys might be. I, Damian did one practice. I remember rip right. off a seventy-five yard touchdown run. Uh, and Jam, when you first I first saw him, it's like he's pretty quick. So yeah. I guess we'll have to see. Maybe you know you're going to be facing some pretty good athletes on the other side this week. Might be hard to do, but 
the opportunities yeah. to run the ball this week, I have some numbers. Uh, they will be there. USC's defense, not really adept of stopping yardage, per se. Yeah, we're certainly going to get right into it. So let's uh, let's get into the men of Troy coming to uh, Reeser Stadium on Saturday. 6.30 kickoff, Pac-12 Network. Going to be an awesome atmosphere. Beaver's Edge will be there and be bringing you guys complete coverage and also have a ton more coverage planned ahead of the matchups. Make sure to stay tuned. But TJ, before we get into uh, the nuts and bolts, and you said you have some numbers, I have a couple as well, and I'm curious to see if they overlap because you and I might be thinking the same thing. But let's just start with uh, pretty sure it's fair to call them uh, transfer you now, right? Yeah, pretty because much. You look at USC's top passer, their top rusher, and their top receiver. All played at different schools last year, TJ. What is this malarkey in college football now? Yeah, well, the transfer portal, and I'm sure you know, we both work in radio for the day of job. Of course, yeah. So, uh, you know, you get to hear a little bit about people's thoughts on free agency in college football, and it can get a right. little a little chaotic. And I think the right. extreme example is this year's USC Trojan team. And Very. Having, a new, having a, new, a new coach, a new, especially a new excellent coach, usually pushes the issue a little bit. But, man, the fact that you can get probably the number one transfer quarterback the Blitnikoff winner from last year, uh, a guy tra- – how many touchdowns did Travis Dye have last year? 15? Yeah, I don't remember his touch, but, I mean, a top five running back yeah. in that 12 probably? Yeah, e- easily. And then they got, you know, uh, Austin Jones from Stanford, a starter yeah. uh, on the other side. You can go to the uh, other side of the defense. I know they coached one of ASU's linebackers from last year, a yeah. guy, a freshman All-American, Eric Gentry, um, who was a Southern California kid, and they, they you know, picked him out of Herm's pocket and put him – on the uh, on the USC uh, on the USC roster, but that's just like that's just a Does few. Herm There's more ha- receivers. Mario Williams from U- uh, Oklahoma as well, a talented guy. Yeah. Um, so does man, Herm's, I, does Herm still have a pocket now? Does that does that does that? Does well, that, it, the pocket is actually full now of his. The pocket is full of his buyout money. So <laughs> I, I think it's eight million dollars. I couldn't help it, man. You're like he snatched him from Herm. I'm like, yeah, when Herm had a program going. <laughs> Well, but no, yeah, finishing, it's gotta... finishing, but no, finishing your point, you're absolutely right. I mean, they have to be transfer you, and they are the ext- like you said, the extreme of z- example of maybe when you take the transfer portal a little too far, maybe not even too far, but like rules are rules, and they I don't yeah. think they broke any rules. So, I no, mean, no, as long as it allows it, might I don't know, the rules might get tweaked eventually, but you know, that. When you have a new coach, new players will come in, and it's never been more available to go play for your coach than it is now. And yeah. USC is the example of that. And I guess, at least for the next two years, probably good thing for the Pac-12 conference in general to have this talent here in this conference to play and you know represent until they go to the Midwest. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, I've heard multiple people say you know USC needed to you know go steal other people's talent to get good again. So you know that's the way I choose to look at it. It's the best team uh, money can acquire. Well, not yeah, I, I was going to say I, I guess so, but then again, most of that talent was leaving Los Angeles because of that's of bad of bad coaching hires before and Lincoln Riley, I guess, and you know Caleb Williams not a not an LA well, guy, but regardless, well, me, right? Yeah. To the to the point of like yeah. the 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 talent should always be there. Sure. There's no excuse that you know a USC head football coach should recruit a what? What did Clay Helton rake in in twenty twenty one? I think it was 
40th no it was worse than that i think it was was like 100 uh, like 90 something it was like really atrociously bad last in the conference there's just no reason for that right and i'd say lincoln riley is doing a like as quick of a as of a make around as you could possibly do Without a doubt, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I have so much respect, you know, for for what uh, Pete Carroll and that, uh, you know, what he established down there, you know, after, uh, you know, they, you know, went through their last cycle to start the millennium, obviously. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where you watch that documentary, great documentary, Trojan War, highly recommended to anybody listening. It is one of my favorite 30 for 30s. Um, and you see like back then you're like, okay, that's how good USC can recruit. Then I'm going to take it a step further. TJ, I don't think USC should ever lose a recruiting battle. Now that NIL is legal. When you consider everything from before, and then you consider the benefits that they can offer. Um, yeah, like, you know, for, 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 (laughs) for me, that's where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, they were, they were good before it was legal. Now it's like legal to like, you know, grease the wheels a little bit they're going to be great for a long time and there should you're right not even never lose a recruiting battle there should not be a five-star player out of the state of california that ever leaves bryce young should never left i mean he played Probably down true. the road uh brock yeah. bowers at georgia everyone fawns over him every saturday yeah he's a california kid and yeah. the list goes on and on and on just right. go to the sec go look at sec <laughs> rosters and look right. at all the california kids on those rosters playing starring roles while usc had clay helton for way too long way, way right. too long and allowed that to happen and now lincoln riley sort of as the saying goes putting the picket fence back up to yeah. say hey, hey, hey you're you're not getting any recruits out of here it's not happening yeah. because because we're USC and we should, we are keeping these guys. And that's what Pete did. That's how Pete's teams were so good. So unbelievably good. 36 wins in a row. Dominant. I mean, absolutely dominant, except when they came to Corvallis. So, you know, that that. is, that is true. That is true. You know, Uh, I believe uh, uh, one in four since 2000 are ranked USC teams here. Okay. Ranked USC teams. Yeah. I said uh, overall uh, three and four, they snagged a couple wins. Uh, One during the, Gary Anderson era up here in Corvallis. And then I think uh, I had the list in front of me uh, exactly uh, what year uh, I'm drawing a blank on the uh, um, let's see a uh, USC got him in 13 and 18. So excuse me, not uh, any of the uh, Anderson regime. I, I, uh, I, I bite my tongue TJ. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, going to be uh, going to be interesting in this one only because you know, there's so many different aspects of this game that you can dive into. But what are some of those numbers that you uh, you mentioned at the top of the uh, top of this segment that uh, you're looking for in this game? And then uh, we'll kind of uh, go back and forth, see what we think. Oh, well, we can highlight one. USC allows nearly five yards per carry on the ground. That's pretty big. Something Oregon State's going to need to do, right? When you just think about the talent, right? I think this Oregon State team is pretty talented. Like, it's just – it's hard to match up with USC. Um so especially in the skill positions and right. you know USC is going to go down the field and score on offense that's going to happen in this game there whether you like it or not I mean th- this there's too much talent on that offense for them not to score um so you know you got to control the ball on the ground 4.8 uh yards per carry something I was honestly pretty surprised about on both offense and defense they're very similar in yards yeah. per play both both teams yeah. USC's uh uh, in allowing yards per play at 5.2, which is 58th in the country. Oregon State is 69th at 5.6. And 
And you can kind of put that in perspective because yeah. USC has played Stanford, who's what a bottom three Pac-12. Uh, Still hard to know. Team this year. Hard, yeah, hard it's know, pretty hard, hard to know. But like based yeah. off the last few years, you know, maybe bottom three Pac-12 school, right. and, and not like an unbelievable offensive team. And yet they still put up what twenty-eight points on USC. Right. Uh, they played a Rice, and then they played about half a game of Jake Hayner before he got yeah. hurt in the third quarter. So you know maybe those numbers go up a little bit if they played like an actual, maybe right. like a tougher opponent in their non-conference. Meanwhile, Oregon State had a much tougher non-conference about a full game of Jake Hayner, uh, Boise State, right. and then Montana State. And then on the other side, in offense too, they're, they're pretty similar. Of course, USC is sixth in the country in yards per play at 7.7. That's pretty absurd. Um, so the Lincoln-Riley like high mark of yards per play is when he had Kyler in 18. It's like 8.4. I think that was the modern record until Alabama broke it the next year um, with Tua. Man, Kyler in college, let me tell you. Yeah, he was, was good. Funny. He was good. He was a good yeah. one. Thank, yeah, thankfully there, for the Beavs, there is no Kyler on that sideline. No, no. I mean, it's 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 definitely um, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see kind of which uh, which matchup obviously uh, wins out. Uh, those mm-hmm. are some good ones. The one that stood out to, to break in teach, real quick, Brendan, oh, yeah, for, yeah. for for Oregon State yards per play, fifteenth at uh, six point nine. That's impressive. So again, pretty similar, pretty similar across, like not like not exactly the same, but they're, you know, they're not too far apart on both sides. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, the one that stands out to me is that USC and USC comes in as the number seven scoring offense at 50.7 per game. And then Oregon state comes in at 13 with 45.7. So that leads me to believe that both teams can score the ball, which, you know, we've seen it. They both can explosive play. I want to take the over. <clears throat> right the over is 70 in this game uh i believe as of uh let's check on that uh over oh it's moved up tj to 71 now yeah and, people uh, are hammering as, that and might as well uh, check on the spread as well uh it has moved from a usc six point uh favorite to now usc seven point favorite so something to keep an eye something to keep an eye on there but nevertheless still a touchdown uh in this game that's mm-hmm. a coin flip, man. That that leads me to believe that the betters really do give Oregon State uh, a shot in this game. And then uh, the last uh, point that I wanted to make on the uh, the last stat was, I really think TJ the 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 matchup that for me is going to make or break this. And I think you know there's a whole lot of different you know matchups throughout the game that that could end up being the difference. But for me, it's what defense plays better because we've seen that I think both offenses can score. And both defenses have been kind of, you know, about the same. USC, uh, 19.7 points and 380 yards per game. Oregon State, 25 points and 357. So USC, yeah. a, few, a few less The difference points. has been turnovers. That's right. I, it's, al- it's almost essentially that. And, like, the, the game the Beavers really got gashed in, they didn't get any turnovers. But, exactly. And, for, and on USC side, they've gotten, you know, there's been plenty of yardage on both sides, but they kept the scoring down because they forced 10 takeaways. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you look at that, it's like I, I I tend to give Oregon State the edge because it's like the defense usually feeds off the crowd more so than the offense. And I think, you know, apparently new sound system, apparently, you know, the video board to the max this time after kind of being the test run in game one and students back, as TJ mentioned at the, the start of the podcast and uh, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, TJ, some standing room only tickets um, now. Yeah, 500 standing room only tickets so you can go stand on the concourse. There were some people complaining about that this week. So, oh, it's going to clog up the concourse. Like, 
<laughs> Don't you want more you need, people there? You need you need voice, right? So when you put all that together, I think Oregon State's defense, you know, turnover chainsaw, all that. I think they have the ability to, uh, you know, be in a a, 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 a fortuitous position uh, heading mm-hmm. into this game. They still have to make plays, and you know, case in point with Jordan Addison, who you know uh, got behind the Fresno State defense more than uh, more than a time or two. Um, and Caleb Williams, who can make plays, and obviously uh, 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 Travis Dye, who we talked about as well, the former Duck, who uh, I believe had – trying to make sure I remember my games correctly. I believe Travis Dye had a pretty big game against Oregon State in the uh, the old uh, Civil War last year. Uh, had, a, had some big receptions, and i drawn a blank on it exactly, but Beavers are well familiar uh, with what he'll bring to the table. So I think when you consider all that, it, it's going to come down to a few plays, and I think we're going to have a dandy of a game, TJ. I really, really do. Yeah, and again, special teams, we keep bringing it up, right? The the, the Beavers had a special team slip-up against Montana State last week. Yep. You you can't allow USC to get a special team no. touchdown in because that, that, that that's like you're already fighting more uphill than you need to be. Uh, so that's key, and then, of course, turnovers as well. So it, it's going to be a, a good game. Now, what if Oregon State steals a touchdown with a – with a punt return or a kickoff like return, right? Maybe that makes your defense a little more tired. They have to go back out onto the field. But, you know, th- those are things that can swing a game. Like what if you uh, – uh, I'm drawing a blank. You know, you allow a touchdown, get a get a punt return or a kickoff return for a touchdown, and then um, you come out and you force a turnover. There yeah. you go. That's you steal well, a possession away. And, and the other thing that I wanted to mention real quickly is maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, TJ, I don't believe Caleb Williams has thrown a pick this year. And... No, nope, they have not turned the ball over one time. Yeah, so let's just establish. That's going to change. That, that, that needs to change. That's a, that's a gross statistic. I yeah. don't like to see that. I don't like to see that. So it's it's definitely, uh, you know, you, you think about it. I, I've talked to a couple, you know, people who, you know, watched Oklahoma in the past, and they're like, oh, you know, Caleb Williams is usually good for at least one just, like, bonkers throw a game kind of a thing, right? And- yeah, and I think it happened a little bit last year, and, you know, a big reason why um, Lincoln Riley is at SC right now, you remember that Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma last year, right? They had a yeah. – they and, and all the offensive, you know, kind of wizardry of Lincoln Riley yeah. – the it wasn't really quite there last year with Oklahoma they really kind of fell apart down the stretch and they would have some games where they would just be in sort of a lull offensively um right and you know a big part to their losses and you know they lost Bedlam rip Bedlam by the way the the news coming out this week no more Bedlam I saw I was listening to Mike Gundy's clip earlier and he was like it's history we're done yeah um never yeah it is but that was a big reason last year. Like, it's not like a perfect offensive scheme. It, it, it is far from it. Like, no, I don't think anything is perfect. If ever anything was perfect, then everyone would run it. But there is no right. perfect way to do things. Um, so, you know, there obvi- there is room uh, for that to happen, and it'll be the first big test, really, for USC. Certainly. And, and again, you know, it's, it's going to be a great battle. You know, I mean, I, I really am excited for this game, you know, Saturday night can't come soon enough. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm super thrilled to be able to uh, be at the game on Saturday and uh, bring you guys uh, awesome coverage at beaversedge.com. And uh, again, stay tuned this week. Uh, TJ is going to give his prediction. I'm going to give mine. Uh, our recruiting guy, Dylan, will have his in there as well. Uh, TJ, and I, I believe are still undefeated on the year in our uh, predictions. Uh, Dylan sits at uh, two and one. So uh, TJ got TJ and I got perfect records to keep. So we're definitely going to be. Uh, yeah, we might we'll, have to make we'll a good decision see. here. 
Yeah, yeah we got to see. Yeah, we make some good decisions. So make sure to check back in for staff predictions later this week. Uh, we're also going to uh, uh, give some more USC content. Uh, we're going to have uh, um, the injury report as well. We're going to have uh, uh, the visitor list. Oregon State's obviously going to be hosting a swath of recruits. And with a, a game like this and an opponent like this, you certainly try to get as many big names on campus as possible. So make sure to check back in later in the week for that. We'll also uh, give some keys to victory over the Trojans as well. So, TJ, thanks for jumping on the big pod, man. Looking forward to reading your prediction and uh, – it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be real exciting to uh, to see how uh, things shake out at Reeser Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, it's gonna be a really exciting one. Um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be buzzing around here. That's for sure. Uh, and I think people yeah. are happy. This remember, this might be the last time ever USC comes to Corvallis. Last time in in yeah. college football history, they will be here in Corvallis, Oregon. So uh, I'm sure the crowd will make them will make them hear it. Yeah, as someone who uh, was a uh, uh, witness to those wins in 06 and 08, if you can get to Reister Stadium, get to Reister Stadium. Watching USC play in Reister Stadium is, is, is an event. And as TJ mentioned, the odds of it coming back are you, – you, you, you might have better off to win in the Powerball, folks. So go out and buy, yeah. a, <laughs> yeah. buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, though, it's, uh, it's going to be an, an awesome game. And, again – uh, make sure to uh, stay tuned to beaversedge.com. Big thanks to TJ Matthewson for uh, jumping on the podcast this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, obviously uh, breaking down uh, the matchup against USC and looking ahead to the first conference road game at Utah. That's obviously going to be a, a, a big time game for Oregon State as well. Uh, no easy start to Pac-12 play uh, for the Beavers as they get uh, a pair of ranked teams, but it starts on Saturday night uh, with the Trojans uh, in Reeser Stadium. So again, 6.30, Pac-12 Network and stay locked to beaversedge.com. Big thanks to TJ Matthewson. This is Brendan Slaughter signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.